run. Try to make some sense of the words from Bray Wyatt's sister Abigail. I'm right here, there's not on the board. This is your United States of America. Roman is dominating. Speak your mind. How you doing? We're not best friends. You don't know when to shut your mouth like being drop kicked by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Bring your bitch ass back here. Why don't you take it back? Consider me like a drug test, Holmes. You ain't getting past me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast for Thursday, September 14th, 2017. Today's show features the road to no mercy, the Sin City edition of SmackDown, the finals of the Mae Young Classic, and more. But first, I need to let you know that this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world, talking creative, the business aspects of professional wrestling, and of course, giving our unsolicited opinions. We've made a couple of changes to the show this week. Let us know what you think of the format changes. You can contact the show at H- on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Find us on Podbean as well as iTunes. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day alongside my boy RBB. Rick, welcome to your show. Jargo, thank you for the introduction there. It's always good to be back with the show, especially this week. I'm, I'm officially now back on my feet. Up and moving after uh, being down with a touch of the flu. I woke up very early Monday, fever, ache, pain, kicked my ass for a couple days. But for better or worse, I had WWE television to help me through it. Nothing's going to stop me from hitting those marks. Let's get rolling. Well, I know uh, I knew that you were sick on Monday. So uh, for those of you who don't know, he had uh, Cincinnati Bengal-itis. He went to the game on Sunday, and the Bengals got whooped. I'm sure. I'm sure all Not the people in Cincinnati all. are going to blame you. It was necessary. Uh, the flu that caused the fever. I think it was Andy Dalton. I think it was Andy Dalton. I think he's what made you sick, as well as Terrible. anybody else that watched that game. Terrible outing. I actually had a had an offer to go back down tomorrow for the Thursday night game. Uh, my simple reply was no fucking way. I can't say I blame you. Well, obviously, I know we, we tend to get a little bit off a of topic, and, and some of today's topics are going to steer us into a couple of different directions. Um, this is going to be a very, very heavy WWE show. So what I tried to do was I tried to go basically chronologically through the week. If we have a little bit of time, we'll get into some of the stuff off of uh, NXT uh, from last week. So let's get started on the road to no mercy and kick things off with Raw. So the road to no mercy. Oh, go Those ahead. Numerous. What, what, what did you take in from uh, from the episode overall before we start breaking it down segment by segment? When it comes to news coming out of Raw, this was by far the busiest week that we have had, and I expected SmackDown to be the the, the heavy side of the of the show this week, and it was definitely Raw. There were there were quite a few talking points coming out of Raw. I thought. Uh, plus, I'm very interested to see how they did versus Monday Night Football. Something interesting there. I thought the show itself, I thought it moved well. We got some good advancements. Um, I, some of it really didn't hit home for me, but they were moving in a, in a direction. So I'll take, I think, was a better episode. Yeah, I was just looking. We don't have raw ratings yet. That disappoints me. That disappoints me. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll start at the beginning of the show and then kind of work our way through it. Uh, the show kicks off with... Uh, 
Roman versus Jason Jordan leading into Roman versus John Cena part three, the feud over who's the top guy when Brock is the champ. I, I guess I want to jump more into Jordan here. We've been kind of beating that horse, that Roman and Cena story. Anyone that's been listening, they know where I stand on it. I'm going to cut through one more time on it here in a moment. But at first, I, I want to give some appreciation to Jordan. Two very solid outings here. And this one this week, and then last week against Cena. I like that they're giving him the spotlight to demonstrate that pure athletic ability. But after these two rubs, with two of your top stars, you know, the question is, where does it go from here? Unless he's going to get those same rubs, which is highly you know, unlikely from, from Brock and Braun, they're kind of hit the ceiling with this direction. I, I feel like Jason Jordan, going back to our conversation from last week, Jason Jordan is the missing half of Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes is the missing half of Jason Jordan. Jordan's really, really good in the ring, but his character is nowhere near where it needs to be. Whereas Cody goes the other way. It's all character, and, and we were talking about, you know, if he's really a good enough in-ring worker to be the Ring of Honor champion. Uh, I, I really, really like Jason Jordan, what I see of him in the ring, but he reminds me more of the Rick Steiner than the Scott Steiner. As I was saying, you know, we're kind of hit that ceiling with this in-ring performance stuff. So now it is time to start developing that personality. I'd kind of like to see them actually continue to pursue the storyline with Kurt Angle. Well, I feel like this has got to go to where Jason Jordan ends up just getting frustrated because he's wrestling these great matches, but he can't seem to win any of them. So then he starts cheating. And as he starts cheating, he starts winning matches. But then you have Papa Kurt Angle, I'm very disappointed in you. And then you get the rebellious teenager versus dad. I don't care what you think, dad. I'm going to cheat anyway. I think there's still a little, it's some money. And maybe it's more of the obvious direction that a lot of people are seeing out there. That this has been some kind of, some kind of scam perpetrated against Kurt to use him. Just waiting for the other position. shooter. Yeah, and you know, there's no secret in any way that you kind of get there. There's no secret that Kurt wants back in that ring. He can, that could actually come to fruition. You know, Angle versus Jordan at like a WrestleMania would be an incredible opportunity to, to elevate a young star like that. But do you want to put Kurt in the ring with somebody like Jason Jordan, or do you want to put him in the ring with somebody like Triple H? and have it be like a true one-off huge attraction match. In a case like this, a talent and personality such as Kurt, I'm more inclined to lean towards giving someone that rub, really making a true star there, instead of just kind of going out for that one-off marquee See, I feel like they really got something going with Jordan here, and I, I hope that they just take their time and tell this story right and, and, and tell this story very Rocky Maivia and build him. Not that I ever think Jason Jordan's going to be the next Rock, but... Yeah, but, but there's that basic blueprint. But, I mean, I, I have a feeling they're going to be tempted to, to tie, as Booker said on the show, tie a rocket to this kid and... 
I, I much more prefer the slow build because Jordan doesn't have a lot of personality. So let him go out there, just wrestle some great matches, and hopefully the character work will catch up. That's why I really like the pairing of him and Gable to begin with because Gable just oozes personality. Which I think a lot, you know, listeners out there, and, and you would agree too, obviously, that you know, splitting them up the way that they did and so soon was, was a big mistake. But, you know, at this point, there is no going back. He's going to need that slow burn, that nice build, you know, six to 12 months to really letting to be able to connect with the universe and get some you know, get, get creative behind him along that path. At this point, I'm still higher on Chad Gable than I am on Jason Jordan, but I've been that way basically since I saw Chad Gable, and I think this – thing that they're doing with him and Shelton Benjamin is going to be really, really good. I think you're almost going to get their eventual split where you could have the, the SmackDown version of what you could have in Kurt versus Jordan over with, with the red brand. So coming out of the match, one of the things that just drove me nuts on this show was Roman defeats Jason Jordan, goes over, has the handshake moment, blah, 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 very Undertaker John Cena from 15 years ago or whatever the hell it was. And then Roman proceeds to stand in the corner with his music playing for like four minutes while they go to commercial. Did anybody tell Roman Reigns that John Cena was going to come out and cut a promo? If so, why didn't we see that? Like, Roman just expected John Cena to come out here in four minutes. That I, I Gaps in the logic like that just drive me crazy. But I think through, the, through this episode, and especially when we get in the Tuesday show, the subtleties like that, they're just missing the point, and they're just head scratchers. How boring did that have to be for the audience in attendance? Listening to that same shitty music over and over for four minutes while they're waiting for the football game to get to halftime, which I think was a smart move, that you don't put that program on until halftime. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the structuring of the show and especially Tuesday's show. Well, you gotta, you gotta realize... Also, sometimes during those breaks, they'll switch over. That music won't won't play the entire time. They'll cut to some promos on the on the Titan and then cue cue the music back up. Well, at least Roman had a big screen TV to watch him put that put him over, you know. So John Cena comes out, does his hustle royalty and respect, blah blah blah. Hell, Dolph Ziggler did his entrance just as good as Cena does. Cena comes down to the ring, and we have Cena versus Roman week. Three, Rick, is this program over yet? I'm I'm done with it. I've stated in the past, every episode that we've done, you know, we've been covering this story, this program, and it hasn't hasn't evolved one bit. I'm basically done with this carbon copy of the Mayweather McGregor pre-fight shenanigans and sophomore draft dick that's going back and forth between these two. How many people inside of that arena, let's say that arena held 10,000 people, all right, just for rough figuring. How many people inside of that arena do you think knew that Roman Reigns failed a drug test a couple years ago? 
They're not in any way trying to draw the casuals on this, except for the star power of oh Lord, it's John Cena versus Roman Reigns. They're just hamming it, continuing to hand this up for all the smarts and people that want to get off because of some insider term. It's it's, it's just lowbrow. It's it's just terrible. It's pathetic. The entire program just feels so contrived at this point. It, like, if I didn't know better, I would think that a certain writer from the Attitude Era was writing this stuff. This whole work shoot. Because we've seen it all over both shows this week. And when we get to those work shoots, I've seen differences in those and what we're seeing here. But those are hitting on some right notions. Where it works in a certain way. It's just outright, just outright pander. If we have had three rounds thus far through three rounds, John Cena has thirty points, and Roman Reigns has about twenty-five. If you're if you're if you're keeping boxing scores here, Cena's just killing this guy. I don't know how anybody backstage can look at Roman Reigns now and say, "Yep, you're the future, kid. Can't wait for the next ten years." In the, in the end right now, the match itself was going to likely deliver. But at this point, I'm in no way invested or interested. And I'm not sure anybody else is either. Roman can stand out there in the ring and tell us how we're making record profits and we don't need John Cena here. But the attendance numbers that I've been seeing out of the shows lately, Roman Reigns ain't the guy. I'm not, well, and I'm not sure the guy are, is on the roster right now. I don't know who the guy is. Those that they're pandering to, if you go to Facebook, any chat thread or discussion group, anywhere out there, those that they're pandering to, they're eating this shit up, and it's just mind-boggling to me. I don't think this program is doing anybody any sort of favors. At this point. Uh-oh. I think we've lost Rick. Nope. Oh, I am no, here. There you are. I, I, all this John Cena and Roman Reigns talk, I, I just started dozing off again. I could see that. But I am here. I am here. So what do you see as, obviously, when this is over, Cena's going to make a movie? Um, Cena's on his way out. He's got a movie to make. He's got two other projects that he's probably going to be out on the promotion trail with. I was looking looking at that. I don't even see a lot of time that he could even squeeze in appearances for WWE. Well, I think that show that he did with Kat Dennings is already in the can. So I don't think that he has to record it. Um, but, of course, there will be a media tour, however much of a tour there is for a YouTube show. Um, well, then he's then they're just going to have some promotional material. Well, and the, uh, and the big one's going to be the Transformers movie. Right. That's the big one. That one's going to, uh, who knows how long that's going to take. But, I mean, it's still a Michael Bay movie, so 90% of it's done in post. I don't, well, know, yeah, I don't know when we see, be, see Cena back. I would guess Royal Rumble? That's when I would guess. That's as a surprise entrance or whatever in the rumble. Um, so I guess your, your question in that time is 
how do they occupy Roman? What's next for Roman Reigns going into Survivor Series? I mean, obviously, TLC is on October 22nd. Uh, Survivor Series is November 19th in Houston. Um, so coming out of this program with Cena, if Cena's not there, where does Roman go from here? I think your obvious, your obvious choice is he'll be returning from injury. You already got that built-in backstory to kickstart a major singles feud. That would be Samoa Joe. Joe versus Joe. Yeah, yeah. God, I miss Joe. I miss just that presence on that show. Have the the heritage kind of built in there. That rivalry. Roman was the one who took the pin at SummerSlam. Toss Joe, you know, that match, and a match that even more so he he thought he rightfully deserved to be the only man challenging Brock Lesnar. Which brings us back to before that four-way, what it would have been two weeks before the four-way, when they did the triple threat between Braun, Roman, and Joe. And they had Roman Reigns pin Samoa Joe during that triple threat. That was the dumbest move. The whole story had been Roman can't pin Joe. Roman can't beat Joe. And then just out of nowhere on a random triple threat, you have him pin Joe. There was 90 other finishes you could have done, but that's Give the one up they in chose. A gimmick match. Just shit the bed. I would say that's your obvious one that that's, has that easy backstory to just get going. Now, you only get rumors? so many first times. You know, first time ever, which we'll get into Cena and Strowman here in a couple of minutes. You only get so many first time ever matches now. And they just give them away on random episodes at Raw, and I don't understand it. Well, before we get to I do have two two other suggestions there. But you got, but wasn't it was the big rumor that before the shift with the Joe injury and they had to move things around, that, uh, that Roman was going to feud with the Miz. See, wasn't I don't that supposed to be in that. the cards? Roman versus Miz at this point. I mean, I, I feel like that would have been the, basically the same program because, I mean, Miz is doing basically the same character that John Cena is doing now. It's just Miz is the heel version of it. I actually think I actually think the, the feeling and build between the Miz and Reigns feud will be much better than this current garbage. Well, that's because the Miz is just that good. Well, the Miz is that good, so he can verbally abuse Roman. And then we can also have some physicality because Roman could just beat up the Miztourage. And at least we get some action out of it in between the verbal exchanges. I've been listening to a, uh, basically a a question and answer panel um, involving uh, the Henning family legacy. And it's just a damn shame what they have or haven't done with Curtis Axel. I like to think on on the plus side for him, he has a he's a long time coming in this business. So good at what he does. At least he's doing something now. Especially especially behind their scene you know, behind the scenes. I think he'll end up in a great trainer's role. 
I have a feeling he really understands what the hell is going on. He's just got the, a good mind for it. I think he'll be with the company for, for a long time. I had an, I had an off-the-beaten path idea. I, I wanted to run by a, Uh-oh. For, for a Roman feud to close out the year. Okay. Hit me with Finn it. Finn Balor. Finn Balor. Finn Balor and Roman Reigns. My logic here, WWE seems to be quite comfortable putting Roman in these compromising spots. What better way to stretch those limits than a program against a darling like Baylor? Well, <clears throat> who's the champion at the time? The, the, are, are we under the assumption that Lesnar is going to beat I, Strowman? We're working under the assumption that, that Brock still has the title. Correct. And we have Baylor working, Reigns, and then on the flip side of that, from my other major programs, since we have Cena and Lesnar gone, would be to have Wyatt and Braun working one another through the remainder of the year. Do you, is is Finn still a babyface in this world, or are you turning him? I would almost play it as they are now with the tweener scenario, where maybe where Reigns is leaning more towards that heelish figure. Well, I was gonna say. I mean, if you're if you're turning Roman Reigns heel, which this is only you know opportunity eight hundred and seventy four to turn Roman Reigns heel, this pro, pro uh, program that you're doing with John Cena right now. I mean, if if you're gonna turn him heel, yeah, put him against Balor because by all indications, Balor is the hottest babyface at every live show right now. He gets the biggest pops. He's selling the most merch. I know that's hard to believe, but. That's what I read in the reports. I just find it interesting how open they are to letting Roman walk that line right now. Going out there and taking some abuse. Turning a lot of that filled-in fan base that he had. Maybe not completely against him, but they're splitting him against Cena. And I just think going up against someone like, like Balor would really, would really press those limits. I'm starting to think that they turned Roman Reigns heel and we didn't catch it. I've said for a long time, it's the new evolution of what a heel should be. The slowest burn ever that we didn't even realize was happening before our eyes. Well, I mean, even if you go back to that match between Jordan and Roman, Roman absolutely works that match as the heel as the super overconfident, arrogant, what the fuck you think you're doing, kid? Heel. The cocky SOB. Yep. I wonder if they've just embraced it and they just forgot to give us the memo, kind of like when they turned AJ Styles' baby face. AJ's big baby face turn was he shook hands with Shane McMahon. Suddenly he was a good guy. Really? He's still playing the I same just, character. I, I, I just I just put your, your head through a... Uh... Through a car window last week, but yeah, we're good now. Yeah, we're good. You know, I, I expect Kevin Owens to get the biggest babyface run ever. Well, I guess one one last thing on the on the Finn Balor thought. If there was ever a way to get me to cheer Roman Reigns, him beating the shit out of Finn Balor would be it. Do bite your tongue until it bleeds. Finn Balor's the best goddamn thing going on in that company right now, and nobody seems to realize it. Indeed, indeed. 
One other big note coming out of the Roman Reigns John Cena segment. I like to call this segment Undertaker Watch 34. Are you ready for this one, Rick? Where is The Undertaker? Michael Cole, for the first time, stated on commentary, Roman Reigns retired The Undertaker. That's the first time anybody has said anything about The Undertaker being retired other than Roman Reigns. Stay tuned. More to come on Undertaker Watch 34. So that brings us to the shit pile that is the women's division. I hate the women's division on Raw right now. It just doesn't make any sense. Asuka can't get here soon enough. So this week we had Sasha versus Emma with the other two on commentary. Any thoughts on the match? A whole lot of match. It's it is what it is. It was a basic sort of raw women's match. But what I really, what I really got there, what took away from any possible interest in the match, was having Cliff and Jack join the commentary crew. And they were terrible on commentary. They oh, were terrible. It, it was god awful. Oh my god. God awful. I mean, like, it was so bad that Booker T was literally feeding Nia Jax lines. Later in the show, when they had, mainly working that promo backstage with Liz, my whole thing there is if they're going to insist putting Nia Jax in these high-profile positions, then they absolutely need to stop giving her any time on television. Oh, terrible. I understand that she needs, she needs to improve and practice makes perfect, but save that shit for live events. It, it, it just sucks all the momentum out of anything that they have going on television. So we had Sasha versus Emma this week. We have Alexa versus Nia next week. It's safe to say that the week after that, we'll probably get Alexa versus Emma and Nia versus Sasha. It's well, just it's, lazy, man. It is so lazy. Was it next week or go home? No, I think it's still two weeks. I believe we're still two weeks out from No Mercy. Of course, I thought we had another week for the May Young Classic too. So yeah, I might next be week would be the eighteenth would be the go home with the twenty fourth being May event. So go home next week. Who do you see coming out of this program with the title? And with the way that they move that belt around, I don't think it's time to move the title, but the way that they move that belt around, I wouldn't be surprised. And for the most star power right now, what they have going forward and what I'd like to see coming 
I'm gonna say, oh, this is just a hard call. I'm gonna go with the boss, Sasha Banks. For me, it's an easy decision. I'm sold on Nia Jax taking this title at No Mercy. I think I think you're right. I just that decision just irritates me. She's so green. She brings nothing to yep the vision and the yep. program. Yep. There's one thing that she brings to the program, and that's size. And it's someone that they that can be credible when they introduce Oscar. I was going to say, and then the next thing is, here comes Oscar. Oscar takes out Nia Jax to take the title. I mean, is there anybody better for Oscar to beat up than the monster who's just going through everybody? So help me God, if Oscar's first loss comes to Nia Jax, I'm going to freak out. Now, we did find out on this show that she is, in fact, coming. What you, would you think of the little up introduction of her? I hate it. And, and here's what it is. I hated the way that they did it. Because last week on NXT, they have the big send-off for Asuka, right? All the way down to Triple H coming out. Giving her the flowers, sending her on her way. And they announced that William Regal is in negotiations with Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle to see which show Asuka's going to go to. And I was like, sweet, we're going to get a story here. They're going to introduce Asuka, get the character over long before she debuts. And then on the next episode of Raw, Asuka coming soon. What happened to the negotiation? Put Asuka on both shows. Put over how much both shows want Asuka on their show. How important she is. But no... We're just going to run a 30-second vignette. The vignette was cool. Don't get me wrong. But nothing in that vignette said that Asuka's been undefeated for the last two years. She's been the NXT champion for 500 and God knows how many days. Put over how good she is. You're 100% right here. Again, it's another example of lack of vision and depth in storytelling. The vignette was, you're right, it was Pretty cool looking visually, but what did it really give me? You know that Oscar wears a mask. Why should I be concerned if I'm a fan of one of the other competitors? Why should I be excited if I'm just a fan of great women's wrestling or great wrestling overall? They've done they've done it again here. They got they've got the masses excited. It was the lowest common denominator booking strategy that got him there. You could have done something so cool and actually had like a negotiation, bring a little bit of a a, a sports platform into it. Have Even Kurt Angle and Daniel Bryan jying to see who's going to get Asuka. But no, they just, here, here here's a 32-second vignette. You could have went a couple different ways, even without showing Asuka to the red and blue brand audiences, you could have had just Regal there negotiating. You could have just shown the clip of Hunter putting her over that was on NXT last week. You have have each brand showing a different vignette of all her accomplishments, how much she meant to NXT. 
Then you get, try to get the fans interactive because you know, they love their social media interaction. They, they count that social media score all the time with, you know, this week on Raw. If you, want, if you love Raw, you want her here, give us a hashtag, Oscar Raw, or, you know, the opposite with, with SmackDown. Get some people really invested behind it. Did you see that bullshit list they put out of five dream matches for Asuka on WWE.com? The only match of that list that's going to draw a dime is Charlotte. Asuka versus Sasha Banks? I'm sorry. That's not going to be a good match. And if it is, it's not going to be believable at all because Asuka should kick her head off like a football in about 20 seconds. But her going to Raw, her first main story, or maybe not first story, but first major development, for me, I think it'd be interesting to see Asuka chasing a, a heel, Sasha, who just happens to be holding the championship. But Sasha is playing that stuck-up little boss character who's actually kicking shit everything she can to run avoid Asuka. For me, the big program for Asuka on Raw is going to be the Bailey program. I don't know when they get to it. I'm not even sure how soon before Bailey comes back. But what I would love to do is see them just put Asuka over as a monster heel. Just a monster heel. And then because I think the person that she works best with on that roster, since we've seen most of the matches in NXT, is Bailey. Oh, they've had some tremendous matches. Today. The matches between Bailey and Asuka were fantastic. Like Takeover Dallas, going back a year and a half now. I was taking into consideration there. We don't know when Bailey's going to be back. No, but so you got to put Asuka over as a monster heel first, anyway. And I think that people are just going to want to cheer her out of the gate. I think the longer you can keep Bailey off TV, I, the better it is Banks, for Bailey right now. Banks is so much better as a heel. I would just send her those two into a program to get Oscar established while I'm waiting on a Bailey return. One other match that I would absolutely love to see, I don't know why in the world they didn't put this on television, Evidently, the live crowd got an appearance from the one and only Dancing with the Stars cast member, Nikki Bella, live in Anaheim. Any thoughts on that? Hold on, I didn't see it. She actually worked a match? No, she didn't work a match. She uh, she came out. Oh, okay. She came, yeah, I, I knew she made an appearance. Yeah. She, she made an appearance. She came out with her Dancing with the Stars partner. I unfortunately don't know his name. Well, I say unfortunately, I don't even care what his name is. But yeah, she came she out, addressed the live crowd, ended up putting her partner through a table, crowd pop for it. But they did it all during a commercial break. If you're going to put Nikki Bella on television or, or at the live show, why don't you put her on television? Nikki Bella is a huge star. I can't believe I'm saying that, but Nikki Bella is a huge star. I know it because at work, I see her on Entertainment Tonight. I see her on Extra. I see her on TMZ. They can't get enough Nikki Bella. It nauseates me because I can't stand Nikki Bella. But yeah, she I'm is on the other a star. Side. 
I'm on the other side of the coin right there. Where I, I am a Nikki Bella fan. I want to see Nikki Bella versus Asuka. I think that would be a fantastic match, and no, I'm not being sarcastic. I, I think that would be would a fantastic very well match. The psychology involved in that match would be through the roof. The interest, excitement, and heat to put on the heat. You're breaking up on me. A again, lot of right? these fans, or your vocal majority, your vocal majority, they just want to hate on her for everything she does. They don't want to appreciate that she. She's taken an opportunity, but she took that ball and she's ran with it. She's created an amazing brand. And she's doing great things, and she does have tremendous star power. I've gotten in quite a few arguments on multiple threads with individuals. I try to point that out, and I'm sorry. She, her star power exceeds many of your favorite pop going so draws. Nikki Bella is the out. most over member of the women's roster by far. She's over. She's more over than ninety percent of the male roster, and that's a yeah. hard pill for many fans to swallow. Yep. Yep. Because most fans seem to think that getting a pop in the arena full of people who know who you are is being over, and it's not. Being over is being on Good Morning America. Being over is my mother-in-law knowing who Nikki Bella is. She doesn't give a shit who Charlotte is, but she knows who Nikki Bella is. I always wondered if they would if they would ever release like a Q a Q rating for the WWE superstars to see how they would rank. I think people would be very very surprised in those numbers. It would be, it would be interesting. Next up on the show, this was uh, the top of the hour, the end of the first game. However you want to look at it, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman come out. Heyman cuts his promo, puts Strowman over strong. But he says something in the course of his promo that I guess I hadn't thought of. Is Brock Lesnar the underdog in this match? It's been very interesting how Paul has been presenting promos. The same scenario, going back to like the Joe single feud, SummerSlam four-way, and now we're seeing it here in the singles match with Braun. Heyman needs to be the voice for all the parties involved. And he's the narrator, pushing the importance of the match and the magnificence of all the talent, simply because, you know, maybe they just can't do it themselves all that well. Paul Heyman is a master promoter. And if you compare the difference between Brock and Braun versus Cena and Lesnar, you can see two very, very different thoughts of promoting. And it's the same difference that you saw in ECW and the WWF many, many years ago. Heyman knows that to promote a fight, you have to put over your opponent. You know what you didn't hear coming out of Floyd Mayweather's mouth? how he was just going to pummel Conor McGregor. He put over Conor McGregor. You know, he said, maybe I've lost a little bit. Maybe I've lost a step. Maybe he can get me. Because it builds intrigue for the fight. Ultimately, your job, 
your job is to sell that thing. Your job is to make people buy the network to see Brock Lesnar beat Braun Strowman. Just like with Cena and Reigns, you have to make me want John Cena to win. Or you have to make me want Roman Reigns to win. You have to make me want Roman Reigns to lose or John Cena to lose. Not this grab dick thing going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Because nobody cares. Well, what you're speaking to, the perfect example of how it's done right. Look here, they did a solid job of creating a doubt that Brock was going to even walk out of SummerSlam against all those odds. And Heyman put over all the three other men in there. Now he's doing it here with Braun. Giving him a major rub. You know, just you know, through her, Heyman's verbal hype up and, and the manhandling of the Universal Champ. But it's, what's always cool about it, though, in that promos, that'll be the meat of it, but he always brings it back around to let you know that Brock is still the man. So Heyman has his little freak-out moment. Braun Strowman comes out, makes a beeline for Lesnar, and kicks the shit out of Brock Lesnar again. Were you surprised that it went this way again? I, I think they're really building that doubt there. You know, it's going to be, in a, especially for a lot of casuals. Who's the baby face and who is the there. heel? Or how do you view it? Or is there a baby face? It's, it's out the it, it's out the window here for me. We're gonna we're getting two badasses ready just to inflict some serious pain to see who the hell can walk out of there. Braun no, that's, Strowman that's what they're is, selling here. Braun Strowman, it just gets such a reaction. And I mean, you have that program with Roman Reigns, which basically turns Braun babyface. But it really seems like they're trying to turn Braun back into a monster and really trying to put over Lesnar as the underdog babyface, which I don't think is a role that we've ever seen Lesnar in. When's the last time when's the last time going into a Brock Lesnar fight that you felt like Brock Lesnar was the underdog? Going all the way back to when Heyman had signed it with Big Show, back before, you know, that departure so long. Wow, when Big Show was still relevant and could have a match with Brock Lesnar. We miss you, Big Show. Now, we're just one show away from their big match. I think we're both in agreement that that Brock walked out of there. It's a matter of how. It's a matter of how to me. I was going to say the interest that they built here isn't so much as can Brock retain the title. It's how in the hell is he going to do this? I don't know how that match is going to go. I just don't know how that match goes. That's my first thought. I mean, we've seen Brock dominate. And just, you know, just recently we've seen him have to survive and escape matches. How long is the match? Ten minute mark. Including entrances? Or bell, bell to bell? I guess in any case, I actually see see Mr. Heyman making the ultimate sacrifice here. 
And maybe it's a little back. Oh, Brock forward. is going to turn into Sami Zayn. At some point during this match, Brock Lesnar is going to turn into Sami Zayn. And it's going to be kick out at two. Kick out at two. Kick out at two. Kick out at two. Until he gonna, somehow figures out get, how to beat the monster. Well, I think it's going to get really physical. And then Heyman's going to make the ultimate sacrifice. Somehow get involved to try to slow down the monster among men. He's going to take some kind of bump. And that's going to allow Brock just enough of a window to capture that victory and get the hell out of Dodge with, with the championship. If you would have told me a year ago that Braun Strowman was going to be a legit contender to Brock Lesnar, I would have called you crazy. I cannot believe how quickly Strowman has come along. Put a hell of a ride for him. And the fans are eating it up. And he's adjusting well. He's looking he's looking damn good. He's looking real good. Real Characters good. working and the ring work is I just wish he'd keep his tongue in his mouth, man. That drives me crazy. Oh my gosh. It's like I I feel like I'm talking to my three year old. Put your tongue back in your mouth. So the next thing on the show, I, I and I'm only going to bring this up because there was a couple of things that just bugged the shit out of me. I don't really like to talk about Bray Wyatt on this show because I'm just done with Bray Wyatt. But for the first time in God knows how long, Bray Wyatt had a good promo. He actually said something of substance rather than just jibber-jabber talking in rhymes that don't have any sense of rhythm to them. I enjoyed his message, and I even more thought it, it was pretty clever to have him take on Gold Dust. I, I thought that was genius to, that point. to really, yeah, I I really like the direction that this is going. Um, so you're going to get Fonz Balor versus Bray Wyatt at No Mercy, uh, but there was no Balor on the show. the on, The only sighting of Finn Balor was he came running out to save gold dust don't don't you think that maybe you should put balor on the show considering that he's getting the biggest pop in that sense oh i completely agree with you i was okay with his spot there i thought it was some great imagery especially you know with the over the shoulder the, the, the winding of the face paint he's just a man Thought that was great. Thought that all, I thought that all worked perfect. But you're all right. It's, I mean, if the guy's obviously. If people are showing up, up to see Finn Balor, give them Finn Balor. Get him on the show. Uh, just a little side note Stephanie McMahon, uh, The Miz, Nia Jax, and Finn Balor went to uh, Seacrest Studio at the Children's Hospital of Orange County. There's uh, pictures all over. Uh, floating around of the four of them doing the Finn freeze. I was a little surprised that they send the Miz and Nia Jax with Finn Balor and Stephanie McMahon to a children's hospital. Like, if I'm a child who watches WWE, I don't want to see Nia Jax. I surely don't want to see the Miz. The Miz is a dick. It's all part of their initiative to really stress the people outside of the ring or the show. Characters aren't those people. Philanthropy is the new marketing, ladies and gentlemen. 
but you're right, though. I mean, how excited are you if you're any kid, well, any fan for that matter, and they're sending you out, they're sending people. They're sending you heels. They're sending you the bad guys. You're conditioned to, to hate them. Yeah, they're sending you the bad guys. It's just baffling to me. It's just baffling. So next on the show, as you can see, we're going chronologically, not in order of importance here. You have Cena and Strowman for the first time ever with absolutely no advertising. Why didn't they advertise this match for at least a week? I think it should have been announced, you know, at least a week before. What would we get, like two days out of this on social media? Hell, I didn't know until the show started. Yeah, there, there was some. There was making its rounds on social media for a couple of days. At least there was there was some advertising there, but you're not hitting your general masses. This should have been. If you're gonna run this match out there on a raw like this, then you should have been hyping it up. Especially your first week against Monday Night Football. Like I don't think that they realize you have to advertise to get people to tune into the show. You can't just advertise on the show. You have to get them to watch the show. It goes back to that old mindset during the during the Monday Night Wars, where you know they would you could hold off on that, have that big surprise match. That's because everybody was tuning into well, Raw. You're, you're, you're down to three million viewers. In. And you actually had a story on the show that would set that up. Now they don't even have that. Now they just show you a graphic at the beginning. If you're giving me a legit John Cena match on TV, you should be promoting the shit out of that. Like every original USA Network show they have, every syndicated USA Network show they have, there should be a promo that John Cena is wrestling Monday night on Raw. Especially when you're going up against Monday night football. You could do it in a five-second bumper. Oh, at the point where they're at right now, I'm buying commercial time in markets, in some of those major markets, during the pregame for football. Absolutely. Lucha Underground does it every week. There's always hey, a Lucha time. Underground promo during Monday half Night time. Raw. Switch over to us. We got, we got this big match going on, this big showdown going on. What did you so think of I... the match itself between Cena and Strowman? Before jumping at that, something I thought was funny. This very same episode, Kurt Angle remarked that he couldn't jeopardize something happening to his tag team champ because of the pay-per-view being so close that he's perfectly okay with booking this match. It was something that just I, I laughed at. We have a double main event. We're going to give you half of each. We're totally cool with that. But, yeah, the tag champs, no. Yeah, we, we, we have we to protect, protect them. We can't have them, like, risking certain injury or losing those titles. But, yeah, we'll run out two of our four biggest draws for this event. I just thought that was kind of funny. It was one of those little subtle things that I don't think they, that they thought through. The inconsistencies inside of this show, I think you could eliminate with one position. All you need is an editor. The show was so much better when there were just three writers, and they were writing a show. Now you have 26 writers writing, let's see, 21 segments and then Five yeah minutes. it's all copy and paste right, hey what do you got what do you got i'll put that up after this you need Doesn't somebody to format the goddamn show so what makes sense 
fall on the shoulders of the head of creative. Overseeing it. Yeah, well, the head of creative is getting the shit kicked out of him by one of the talents, but we'll get to that too. Uh, we'll, but when we talk about subtleties in the show, I, I did like some of the positive subtleties in this match. I uh, enjoyed I the Cena match itself. Strong. I enjoyed the match. I, I, thought, I just wish more people would have got to see it. I, I mean, you got something special out there. You want to get all eyes on it. But, you know, we're taking away from it. Cena looks strong at moments. Not so strong that it would lead, like, Roman or anyone in the WWE to believe that Roman can't handle Cena because he is faced far worse from Braun. That was the part that didn't sit right with me. I Because we've done so much with Roman and Strowman, which I still think should be a tag team, Roman and Strowman. You, but you did so much with that program, and they beat each other up so badly. And then... You have John Cena go out there and go 50-50 with Strowman. Well, by that definition, I'm led to believe that Roman Reigns should just kill John Cena. The match did way more for Braun than it did for Cena. And I mean, Cena's bulletproof. It's not like this damages Cena in the long term. If it was any other talent, I would feel differently about it. But I didn't think that Cena looked all that impressive in it. He wasn't supposed to, though. I mean, the... the well, I know that's what I kind of liked about it because, you know, Roman has been getting verbally, but as he's sitting back in the back with that smirk on his face, watching the monitor, you can just tell in his mind, you know, he's thinking, oh, man, I've taken way more for Braun than this. Well, and the other Not thing you, is man. it works the other way around, too, because you also have the Braun and Brock aspect of it. And I know when I think of Brock Lesnar versus John Cena, there's one match I think of. And it's not like Cena had a whole lot of offense in that match. Oh, that was the one-way trip to introduce us to Suplex, Suplex City. City, bitch. No, one, no one's remembering that follow-up match. They're just remembering Suplex City, bitch. Yep. Yep. I, I was happy with the match. I, I did like them putting Cena gets the win, if you look in the record books. But I love them putting Strowman over as a monster who doesn't give a shit about beating John Cena. We see a lot of that played to me to, on a comment that Braun made last week where he showed frustration towards Kurt Angle. And why am I out here having to face the big show? And now it's like, shit, now you got me out here against John Cena. And Brock Lesnar isn't having to do shit. Yep. At this point, you know, he's kind of like the hell with this, man. And wins and it. losses don't matter. We've made that completely clear. So the hell with it. I'm going to go get the stairs, and I'm going to power slam John Cena onto the stairs. And now, if Roman Reigns beats John Cena, John Cena has an excuse. I was going to say, it's going to be interesting to see how Cena sells that thing in the upcoming week. If he sells it. And as we talked on the show quite a bit, especially through the May Young Classic, we haven't seen hardly any selling I would love to see. I would love to see Cena come come out taped up with taped up ribs for the next however long until No Mercy. You know that could open up. That could be a major opening for Roman to take full advantage of this. Imagine the pop that you're going to get when Cena kicks out at two from a Roman Reigns spear. If he's selling that he's got bruised or broken ribs. 
Oh, we're talking some seriously hawking up shit going on then. Regardless of who wins the match, I guarantee you, you see that spot. Oh, I'd put any amount of money in Vegas on that happening. Yes, sir. Anything like else that you want to say about Cena Strowman? The ending of this match definitely leaves some nice groundwork to revisit Braun versus Cena when they need that big feud to go down. How did you feel about the placement of this match on the card? Because this is, what, the top of the second hour? I was I was surprised by that. They, they didn't word, time it out with Monday Night Football. I thought that they would try to do this match for the main event because they had the second game of Monday Night Football was starting at, well, 9.30 my time. Raw goes I, off at 10. You know, so, okay, big deal. I missed, you know, part of the first half. I can still flip back over to Monday Night Football at halftime. Where was football at in a break? During this. I'll be honest, I didn't pay a damn bit of attention football-wise on Monday. Well, my, my lovely wife is a Minnesota Vikings fan, unfortunately. Go, Pat, go. Uh, you knew right? So so I, I kind of knew right what was going on, right but I mean, it's like, you know, mid-third quarter? Hmm. I, I just thought it was odd placement. Why wouldn't you try to match that up with either do it in between games as soon as the Minnesota and New Orleans game was over, start the match then, or wait and save it for the main event because the second game starts a half hour beforehand. Well, as we were just talking about, you know, I, I would have tried to hit it between games if possible for that advertising strategy if they were going to go all out for that, but they didn't. They went this route. I would have went. I would have held this over to the main event. I know we're getting to it here, but that that eight man it really did nothing for me. And it did nothing for any of the talents either. It's it's a bit disappointing right now that we don't have the numbers to actually look at this, the breakdown of it, it, what decision was the right decision and where they should have went, or if they maybe it worked out fine for them. Well, moving on. The next thing on the show that was worth talking about, I guess, is the Miz and Enzo. What did you think of the promo, first of all? I know I might get some slack on this or pick up some heat for it because I've been so critical against everything that Roman and Cena are doing. But to me, there's some major differences here. You know, what what we had with the Miz different because the heat here stayed between the two superstars. It was between business side and Enzo. You could actually feel the tension there. While they hit on insider stories, they didn't necessarily pander directly to the fans. Didn't unnecessary they didn't pause for these pops. They kept, they kept that moment very real, and they kept it between them and the ring. Well, the moment was absolutely very real. Uh, but much like I asked you earlier about Roman Reigns and how many people in that arena knew about the drug test, how many people knew that Enzo had gotten kicked off of the bus? How many people knew that Miz had went through this entire process? 
How many people know those stories? How many people even care about those stories? Well, obviously our audience does because that's right. kind of what we talk about. And, and I feel that, that Miz is so strong in his ability that when he laid it out there, it's a fully understand higher content behind what he was saying, but the way he laid it out there, you got a feeling for it. You can tell he was talking to something real. He sold that real emotion. It's a real heat between those two. And I don't see from Cena and Reigns where it's, okay, I'm going to drop my line and smirk, look around, wait for my pop, and then you go. When it comes to The Miz, and specifically Miz TV, I always feel like The Miz is the voice of Vince McMahon. I would agree with that. And, and you, you hear some rumors about that when, when someone does get in the doghouse. It's time to run him out there on Miz TV. It's time to take him out on Miz TV, and Miz and let just, him just get run down. tears him apart. Now, obviously, Enzo knew this wasn't going to be good. But the look that Enzo sells when, holy shit, did you just say that to me? Oh, we're going here, huh? Okay, well, let's talk about it. You can read it in his body language. There is, there's something about Enzo and I can't figure out what it is, but I still like watching the guy's segments. The entrance is getting old. I'm getting tired of that shtick. That is wearing thin. But there's something about that guy when he's got a microphone. As long as you cut him off and don't let him just ramble. It's kind of the same problem with Bray Wyatt. He just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks because he's so good at it. Enzo, we need you I've to always, go fill three minutes. Go talk. Go ahead. I've always said this about Enzo. I said this from the get-go in NXT. It might not be there technically in the ring. Holds a lot more to being a WWE superstar. And when it comes to personality, just grabbing the attention of the audience, that guy, he's got it. And he gets The thing that cracks me up is it very much felt like Enzo was the heel in the situation. I mean, let's think about it. You got Miz and Maurice. He comes off as a sleeve bag. Well, I think part of it was the crowd because I think the crowd had the wrong reaction or, or at least an unintended reaction. When Maurice announced that they were having a baby, the crowd popped. And I don't think that's what creative thought was going to happen. Well, in that one instance there, and someone tried to, like, throw it back in my face when I was saying Miz wasn't pandering to the crowd. Don't get me wrong. He did acknowledge the crowd, but that wasn't while he was going, you know, in his deep-rooted rant against Enzo. He did ask him, do you think I'm a paper champ? Do you think I'm a paper champ? And he did it with that smugness where he was trying to reconfirm, hey, remember, guys, you're supposed to hate me over here. Yeah, but I think oh, they were looking for a off. yes chant there, and they didn't get it because the crowd knows the Miz is not a paper champion. This is the I same problem the case, going back to Roman Reigns. It's a case for the Miz is so damn good right now. That well, not just, not the, just the, the fans respect Miz. Realizing it, everyone's respecting it. 
But it goes all the way back to the same damn thing that was the problem with the Roman Reigns and John Cena segment. They're standing out there just saying shit that's not true. Nobody thinks that The Miz is a paper champion. Roman Reigns is not drawing big money. The big money is coming from this USA Network TV deal that's up next year. That's why we started this whole goddamn podcast. Because that's going to be fascinating. Where is that money going to go? Because without that money, WWE is kind of in trouble. That's a lot of money. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize what's at stake there with television rights. Television rights and ad revenue. That's where the money's coming from. It ain't house show attendance. It sure as hell ain't TV ratings. Well, I, do, I do have one quick question for you here, though. Because yeah, with Enzo, you knew it was just a matter of time before he ended up getting his ass kicked out there. <laughs> Which, you know, is the running joke almost weekly now for him. So I, I want to know, the you know, real question here for me is, who has or had the bigger bitch? Cass with Enzo or Camilla with Ellsworth? You know, the worst part of that promo was when Enzo says, I got no problem coming back here to Raw and taking that Intercontinental title from you. Because I got these. And he holds up his hands. And I totally thought he was going to use the James Ellsworth. Any man with two hands has a fighting chance. Yeah, and then uh, it didn't work out. So it worked out about as well as it did for Ellsworth. You know... (laughs) I think it's funny because everybody talks about all this heat on Enzo. And I think that Vince McMahon loves Enzo Amore. Because Vince can treat him like shit and he still shows up to work every week. And so Vince just has this fascination with what's the worst thing? What's the worst thing I can do to Enzo this week? And that's how he books the show. Well, this week, I'm going to have Enzo go out there and get in a shark cage. And then I'm going to make him strip naked. And he'll slide out of the cage and he'll get down. And then Cass is going to kick him in the face. Every week, it's just Enzo getting beat up. Like, I think Vince really enjoys watching Enzo get beat up. And now, he can use Enzo to bury the cruiserweight division. Enzo has no talent in the ring. 205 Live sucks. Send Enzo over there. Make him the cruiserweight champ. Can you imagine if Enzo beats we're, Neville? We're, we're going to find out. I, you know, I did. I, I enjoyed that segment, that brief segment between those two. With Neville laughing at him. It was, it was so good. It was so simple. It Neville, Neville so has well. become Seth Rollins from like three years ago. Just that evil, dirty, vindictive supervillain. I love it. I almost wish that, that Enzo would give up that cruiserweight title, show up on SmackDown, and be that feud until Rumble time with Styles. No way, man. Give me Enzo Amore versus Jinder Mahal. That's the match I want to see. Well, I, I think there's a couple million people that might want to see that. 1.3 billion people in India would die <laughs> to see billion people? What the hell am I talking about billions? Right. Billion people. 
Which brings us to the main event. We have the Hardys and the tag team champs, two-thirds of the shield. We like to call this team the Broken Shield versus the Bar Club. What a I like shit-ass main match. event, though. What I a like, shit I like the setup, but then nothing else worked for me. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. The only thing that worked was as the Hardys were coming out, Mitchell Cole says, what's wrong with Matt? Ooh. That was the one little teaser for... What's wrong with with Matt? Hmm. And then, of course, Matt Hardy goes on his YouTube and releases a woken Matt Hardy promo. I was just going to say, for the listeners out there that aren't maybe up to speed with Woken Matt Hardy, go over to the Google machine, just type in Woken Matt Hardy. You're going to get the videos for it. Let's assume is the evolution. Of- well, I actually have Woken Matt Hardy featuring my old band, Citizen 7. This song is called Get Woke. Stable. Yes. Show me with your adoration. Engulf me with your disdain. Feed me your emotion. Feed me your energy. And watch me metabolize it and turn it into power. Feed me your energy. Feed me your energy. Feed me your energy. So the unpopular opinion of the day has come to me. I don't like Woken Matt Hardy. I'm done with Broken Matt Hardy. I'm ready to just move on. It's the unpopular opinion of the day. I'm really mad that we don't have raw ratings right now. I really want to talk about numbers. Woken Hardy thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to stand up for some of our listeners that are get your unpopular opinion of the day. I'm willing to give this it. thing a chance. Yeah, I felt that maybe, maybe they, the, the window of opportunity has passed. But they've proven time and time again they've been able to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. The stack might be decked against them here. I'm going to give the Hardys a chance. See this thing play out. If you have woken Matt Hardy, what the fuck do you do with Jeff Hardy? Always got to be a need for a crazy nut with a weed whacker running around. Well, isn't Itchweed the intellectual property of GFW now? I believe... I don't believe so, because it's documented that he was... Oh, because going back to Omega. All the way back to... Going all the way back to Omega. Earlier days. Oh, please, God, can I get a Will-O-The-Wisp versus Bray Wyatt program? I would love to see that. I love me some Willow. That's my favorite Jeff Hardy. What they have conjuring. I'm willing to give him a chance. 
Man, I wish we had raw ratings. That sucks. Let's kick it over to Tuesday. Oh, here we go to SmackDown. Well, first things first, I wanted to point out that a couple of weeks ago, WWE announced that Shinsuke Nakamura was going to be facing Jinder Mahal on September 16th in Osaka, Japan. And I thought this was going to be a network special, the way that they advertised it. And I thought maybe Nakamura would take the title in Osaka. Absolutely no hype for this show on SmackDown. It seems like it's just going to be a house show in Japan now. I was really surprised, especially off the you know the popularity that we saw during the last network special when they went over to Japan. Yeah, Beast in the East, where uh, Finn Balor won the NXT Championship. Uh, that was Brock Lesnar was on that show, just crushed Correct. somebody. Uh, Kofi. Oh yeah, Kofi. But yeah, it was uh, Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens. That was a fantastic match. That might have been one of Balor's better matches down in NXT. Then oh, it was the and then they had the was it just NXT that was there? No, it was uh, no. It, they just had happened to have the NXT Championship match on that show. Yeah, Nakam, that's, what, that's when Nakamura won it back. No, I think we're talking about two different Japan shows. I, they, 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 they've done this multiple times now. So I thought yeah, this was going to be a network special. But nope, seems like it's just a regular house show that doesn't exist on TV. I also thought it was interesting that on WWE.com, they are advertising Asuka for the show, and the last I knew, she still had a broken arm. It's just not, they're just not removing her from the listing. She'll probably still make the travel and be present. Uh, just, you know, something nice for the fans. Word on the sheet is that uh, WWE doctors were not very happy with Asuka at that NXT taping that she appeared at because she refused to wear a sling on TV. Crazy Japanese honor, I'm not hurt, and stuff. And I actually, I didn't put much stock in it, but I heard some rumblings from fans questioning the injury themselves because... It's legit. From what I've heard, that's a legit injury. I, I know it's legit, but, you know, people are wondering if they're getting worked because they're used to seeing someone... Because they just always assume it's, it's a work now. Right. Always assume it's a work. Well, speaking of letdowns with promotion. Yeah, speaking of show. things that are predictable. Uh, AJ Styles takes on Ty Dillinger for the United States Championship. What did you think of the match? They're coming just right from the get-go of this show. I was really disappointed. Weeks ago, they did such an incredible job. Hyping this up. Oh, yeah. That's, this, is, this didn't even start the show. That's right. This didn't I, even start the show. Kevin Owens started the show. Just with, you know, just within the they're hyping the intriguing title matches. And the first time, and it, this is about being the first time in four years that Vince McMahon was going to be on SmackDown. The thing yeah, that I, I found interesting about that, and I didn't realize this until after the fact, uh, Vince's most TV appearances since he left TV full-time 
are all in Las Vegas. There's something about Vegas. If you live in Vegas, good chance that Vince is going to be in the house. Loves the, loves him some desert. I'm expecting, I guess maybe it's not my fault that I had such high expectations, but I just came away largely disappointed from the show. Well, on paper, yeah, yeah. the show looked fantastic. The show looked great on paper. Uh, well, sure but, I mean, sure shortly before the show way. even went on, shortly before the show even went on the air, you and I were talking about how we would format the show. Owens comes out and starts off hot. the show, and I just thought that was the wrong move altogether. You, you, you just wasted the first 16 minutes of the show. Well, that's what I took from it. You know, we both agreed that you should have come out. You know, maybe you show the limo pulling up. Maybe you show Vince. You, you get that big pop going. But then when the show actually starts, come firing out of the gate with AJ Styles versus Ty Dillinger in a showcase that's, that lets everyone know, hey, we mean business. We're here for some action tonight. And unfortunately, we didn't get that until between 17 and 20 minutes into the show. It's kind of funny because that's normally the thing that I bitch about on Raw is the 20-minute opening segment where people just come out and talk. And the last two weeks, Raw has started off with a match, and it has been so much better. So now SmackDown is coming out and talking for 20 goddamn minutes, but it's only a two-hour show. You just pissed away an eighth of your show. Telling us why we're already watching the show. We know bigger, why you're on the show. A bigger issue there, and I'll, and I'll break down this segment as it ties in to our closing segment when we get there. But this opening segment, it really didn't accomplish anything. They got the Dolph Ziggler joking. Kevin Owens isn't obviously taking this serious. And then Brian Daniels just comes out and reconfirms what they just told us in the opening promo, that Vince McMahon will be here. They did nothing. I completely agree. And it was anything agree. forward. The only thing that segment did was tell us why we were already watching the show. We know why we're watching the show. We tuned in to see the show. That's what you do. That's what commercials are for. We don't need Complete. a 15-minute ad that tells us why we're watching the goddamn show. Just give us the show. Complete waste of a segment. We're finally getting to the action. And we're going back to just one of those subtleties that was just a little bit off. You're about ready to, you come back from break. You promise us Styles and Dillinger next. What do they come back with? The most depressing shit that they can think of. The hurricane and wildlife, or the wildfire acknowledgement and relief spot. And I understand that's important. You need to stress the concern for that. Let people know how they get involved to help you know, help your company. To get through charity sport and all that. But talk about a buzzkill when we should be on the edge of our seat. And then you start AJ Styles music. Right. Just make have that on no the show. sense to me. Put that, place that in when you're going to a break so people can absorb it. Adjusting and re-gear to get back ready to action when you come back to the show. 
Well, taking commercial breaks in the middle of a match pisses me off to no end. And there was one in this match that I absolutely want to talk about. Shortly after the match begins, they go to break. Right? And they go to the split screen. I'm telling you, those talents don't know that they're in the split screen. They have no idea. Because when they come back from the break, they did a replay of the same goddamn spots that they did the first time while they were in break. And you come back from break with Dillinger uh, in the ring, just in the middle of a goddamn headlock. You never went off the air. Those talents have to know that when they're formatting those matches. Otherwise, it just defeats the purpose. And again, you know, it comes down to all things and your production. It's all about the production value. The show looks great, but they just have no format to the show that makes any kind of sense. All things there. But, you know, the match itself. The match itself was fine if I didn't see the split screen during the commercial break. There should have never been a goddamn commercial break in the middle of that match. On a, on a show that had so much fluff and filler involved with it, I was kind of disappointed this thing only got like 10 or so minutes. I thought it was a I, solid match. Uh, when, when the match first started, and them guys just took off. And it was like, okay, we're going to get a 15-minute match in 10 minutes because they were moving. You could tell, yeah, because they, they really didn't have very like much They were time. just trying to fit in as much shit as they could, and somehow AJ was going to make Ty look legit. I almost feel like Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan are playing the same character. I would say that Ty right now is getting the treatment of a poor man's version of that character. Yeah, because unfortunately I don't see the big upside to Ty when he finally turns heel. But as, you know, as I've said here, you know, only getting 10 minutes with a show with all this fluff. We'd love to see this thing at least go 15, 17, 20 might be pushing it. This should the have finish, been I was okay with the finish. The show. I, I liked the opening, you know, but it should have got the most, you know, the most time to work with. I, li- I like the ending. Tag is a, a valiant effort. Comes up just short against one of the best performers in the entire world, your United States champion. I would have taken, taken it at that handshake, raised each other's hands, a great moment to give a relatively unknown at this time, sorry to the casuals, that great rub. Well, before we get to the finish, before we get to the finish in the match, Corbin comes running out. And it just totally takes me out of the match. His his involvement in the entire thing, and especially afterwards with with the attack and all that. Well, the stuff afterwards, you could have done regardless. But there was no need for Corbin to come out and try to interfere in that match. Just give us the goddamn match. Including him in any way just ruined it for me. I just would have left him off television this week. 
didn't need the damn thing. Well, I understand. At, at least they've announced that next week we're going to get Styles and Corbin. So the stuff that t- took place after the match sets up that business for next week. That's fine. I understand that. But there I was no it. need for Corbin to come out in the middle of that match. Off the distraction, Ty tries to roll up AJ, which is a heel move, but Ty's still a babyface. I just That entire sequence just completely took me out of the match. And it's getting to the point with WWE where every time both guys are down, my initial instinctual thought is to look to the back to see if somebody's coming out to interfere in the goddamn match. It's almost as bad as watching the NFL last Sunday. After every play, after every play, I stop and I look for a flag. After every play. And that's that's what WWE is becoming with interference. It's just getting ridiculous. Just stop it. Let two guys go out there and fight. It's a lost art. It is definitely a lost art. And you know, going back, I just that's just letting two guys go out there and fight. That's why I would have loved to see Corbin just take it out of the whole scenario this week. If he could have had an extra special moment there, I understand why he was there. Makes tons of sense. Personally, I just would have preferred it to go down another way, and I, and I think it would have come off looking much better in a better moment for what is supposed to be a very special night for SmackDown Live. So frustration is building for Ty Dillinger, and I assume that at some point he's just going to lose his shit and snap. Right? I mean, doesn't it seem like that's a story they're telling with Dillinger currently? I'd say so. I guess I'm going to reserve my judgment. I'm going to let this play out a little bit more before I try, you know, try to really figure out where the hell they're going with him. I just, I feel like Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan are the same person right now. Another big title match on the show: New Day versus the Usos in a Sin City street fight. Can you have a PG street fight? Uh, just to me, another example, say it with me, kids, lowest common denominator booking. We simply slap a gimmick name on it and hope like shit you buy it and eat it up. The thing that I don't understand for the life of me is why would the Usos pick a street fight with the New Day? Of all the stipulations that they could pick, why would you pick a street fight? You're, you're you're going into a match that's no disqualification against three guys. Well, they had, they had that stipulation in there that only two of the New Day could be at the ringside there. That's why well, I, yeah, but they, they made that up as they went along. I think that was announced from the get-go. Was it? I guess I maybe, so. I, maybe I just missed or, that. It might have been one of those stupid-ass things that they tagged on on social media later on that slips through that I happened to see or something The other thing that really stood out to me was in watching this, last week on NXT, we had the Cassius Ono versus Hideo Itami no disqualification match, which was way more physical than this street fight. You also had... It was actually brutal. It was... Oh my God, those two guys just kicked the shit out of one another. 
That match was fantastic. Then you also had the 5-0 street fight on Lucha Underground, which was Joey Ryan in a police undercover street fight with squad cars and SWAT teams and Lucha Underground street fight. But that was way more physical. And then, and then they run this. They New run Day this versus the Usos in basically a WWE let's throw shit at each other and put each other through tables match. It just doesn't connect for me in a PG environment. This thing could have been so fun on a casino floor, out on the strip, around the arena. Just in Las in Vegas. It's a Sin City Street fight. If it's so a Sin City street fight, go to the streets of Sin City. Just think of the crazy spots if you were actually in on a, you were on a casino floor with these guys beating the shit out of each other. Oh, that would have been fantastic. Everything that you had going on there. Completely I mean, missed the mark. Slot machines, the, the tables, anything. Throw somebody into a slot machine, have the jackpot go off, start spitting out coins. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, can you imagine if the pin in, in the championship changes hands as his coins just piling down on top of them? I mean, oh. just the imagery for that there. Biggie screaming jackpot. Jackpot. Oh, yeah. Why are you sitting there gyrating and Kofi's getting oh, the pin? God. You know, even if it's not in your budget to get an area like that, He's going to at least bring those props out to the ring. It's New Day. You're four-time champs now. I, I read on a sheet somewhere that there were going to be a lot of title changes coming up for the SmackDown tag teams because they want New Day to break the record for the most times holding the tag team championship as well as longest reigning. So that's something to keep an eye on. See how quickly they drop these titles. Then we have, of course, the world heavyweight champion, Jinder Mahal, and his promo. What did you think of this? <laughs> this was a head-scratcher all around. Ginger cracking jokes is not a good idea. His None of those is so bad. Somebody please give him a glass of water. Nothing was hitting the mark. Nothing. I mean, what the hell? What the hell was up with the with the Singh brothers flopping around like a bunch of dead fish? It was so overly animated, and the jokes were bad. Oh, they were bad. I mean, Jinder basically became what he's accusing the American fans of being. Well, and that is one thing I. As, as this segment was, and the execution was way off. The one thing I can take away from it is that he did come around to a decent point, and then we have, once again, WWE baits their audience into looking like bigots. I want to see the Jinder Mahal character basically turn into the Million Dollar Man. That's what I want to see. I'd love to see something along those lines. That's what I want to see out of Jinder. I want to see him rolling up in limos. I want to see him buying extravagant dinners, 
talking down to all of us because he's better than us, because he's Indian. Not this shit. This was just garbage. You hate me because I'm different. It just isn't working. The only the only saving grace of the entire promo to me was when Jinder started talking to Shinsuke and said, Shinsuke, you don't even want to win this title. These people are going to turn on you. Look at how they treat me. I do like that aspect of his character. Take that hey, and go with it. You pitched a handful of ideas on a handful of occasions where Nakamura could insert himself into these gender promos and not only help get some real heat on gender, but ultimately gain a stronger connection between himself and the the WWE Universe. And and this was another segment where that was a perfect opportunity, but lo and behold, no response at all this time from Nakamura. No Nakamura on the show at all, which baffled me. And the only thing I could think of was, well, maybe they already sent Shinsuke to Japan to run the media circuit over there to advertise the show coming up in Osaka. But he worked the dark match, correct? And then I find out that the dark match on the show was Jinder and Corbin versus Nakamura and Orton, who also wasn't on the show. What the hell? If you've got talents like that, and this is a big show... Why don't you put Nakamura on TV? Just, oh. Well, Makes nothing, no nothing here against Dolph, but I mean, you wasted, you know, he was involved in two segments that you had going on. The Shane McMahon, Dolph Ziggler was awesome because that, that crowd thought Shane was coming out. Got him to buy it, but it was. And boy, did they give Dolph some heat afterwards. The Bailey one totally missed. The Ultimate Warrior one was insulting, and they should never ever do anything like that again. Oh man, I popped a little bit for it, but I didn't have any use for it on the show. I thought it was somewhat humorous, but just I thought it was, I thought it was more humorous because of the reaction that seemed to receive from people online in a couple of the live discussions that I was involved in. I think I was more, more entertained by people actually being offended by something like that than the actual act itself. Well, I think I was offended for a completely different reason, but that's beside the point. Now is not the time to discuss the lost years of the Ultimate Warrior and his indulgent politics and what a terrible, terrible human being he was. We'll save that for another show. One other big uh, kind of SmackDown Jinder Mahal note coming out of the week. Uh, WWE is finally going to India. Finally, the long rumored India tour is going to take place over two days, December 8th and December 9th at the Gandhi Indoor Stadium. Indiara Gandhi Indoor Stadium. Rick, am I going to have to suffer through another three months of this shit before we get the title off of Jinder Mahal? At this point, I'm thinking he is not going to be champion, at least the entire time. Maybe he does regain the belt somewhere along the line to go represent India as the champion. 
I just don't think that, the, that there's any way that they, that they can sustain of interest in him for that long. And, and I'm sorry, I, mean, I was, I was, a, I am a fan. I am behind gender. It just comes down that this entire run has been mismanaged since the very get-go. There's one other problem with the India tour. They booked Raw, not SmackDown. Jinder's going to be on the shows, but these are going to be Raw shows. Why in the world would you book the Raw roster instead of the SmackDown roster to go to fucking India? I think it just comes down to star power. I'm sorry right now. Then it proves that the Jinder Mahal thing was a goddamn facade from the beginning. If it comes down to star power, that was the whole reason that we've lived through this terrible Jinder Mahal experiment. No, it had nothing to do with star power. It was with potential marketing ability. John Cena is still a bigger star in India than Jinder Mahal. I firmly believe that. Now that I'm done hindering the gender. Bella is a bigger star. Oh, yeah, all those teenage boys in India, I bet you they love the shit out of some Nikki Bella. Of course, the big angle of the week, at least in my mind's eye, was the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon build featuring the return of the chairman, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, to television. What did you think of the segment, Rick? A couple things with the whole presentation McMahon return on Tuesday. I wasn't a fan of them holding him off, actually physically showing him on screen until the very end. I would have liked to have seen him arrive at the very beginning, getting out of that cab, teasing that, that strut, maybe a segment in between. If you were going to go the route where you have Kevin actually working what he did during the show, I wish he would have taken the situation much more seriously. Well, before we get to the physicality, let's just talk about the promo. The promo well, itself. I, I'm even talking to even the build here. You know, Kevin's still got his T-shirt on. But Kevin's always my, got his T-shirt on. I understand. You know how good he looked when he arrived on SmackDown? He had that suit on. He was taking things serious. This is a serious matter. You're suing the WWE. You are seeking control of one of their major brands. Definitely a shirt and tie moment. I would have loved to see him out there with a tie and his legal representation with him. Not, not in the back talking with other talents about things he's going to do. Take this thing serious. It would have given me much more of an important vibe. And I think it would have set a much greater tone for what was going to happen in the closing moments of that show. I thought the tone of the promo itself, I, I almost felt like I was watching two promos at once. Because the first half of the promo... When Vince starts talking to Owens, it I almost thought they were going to turn Owens babyface. Because, I mean, Vince basically comes out and says, I suspended Shane for not beating your ass worse. That was the whole point of the first half of the promo, right? But that's your, man, that's your McMahon mentality. How that's McMahon. That character is. How McMahon. Going to suspend his own son for not beating somebody's ass bad enough. That's Vince McMahon in a nutshell. 
and there and there were a few moments there when he was talking down to Kevin where you did feel a little bit of sympathy. You're like, holy shit, is he gonna like tear up a little bit here? He's kinda getting scolded. I could have done without the fat joke too. Another little lowbrow. There were a couple lowbrow uh, drops uh, in there. Uh, uh. You can just hear the McMahon laugh. I called him fat on TV. Well, you know, and that, and that goes into, that's another insider drop that you know, people pick up on because you've, you've always heard Kevin will never make it in WWE because McVan, McMahon cannot stand his physique. He's not the idea WWE superstar. It's only Triple H that, that's keeping him in there. That's saving his ass. Better be six foot six and 280 pounds pure chiseled muscle that ain't kevin owens another inside jab so then the promo takes a little bit of a turn unfortunately i feel like they kind of gave it away in, in in the final delivery of the promo when owen says i need you to tell me that if I'm provoked, I can beat a McMahon. And as soon as he said, a McMahon, my initial thought was, oh my God, he's going to beat up Vince. Right. And you, that was clearly the writing was on the wall there. I mean, the only thing that could have been more obvious was, you know, the list of KO. Like they literally spelled it out for you. I mean, it was right. pretty obvious where that was going. What did you think of that entire exchange? Initially, when it happened, I mean, you know, it it got a great pop from the fans. You're gonna see that attack, and I don't think a lot of people in the moment really caught that like we did with the A McMahon. But it picked up. And I guess more people had noticed it than initially thought because it was picking up some steam as soon as they went off the air. The headbutt surprised the hell out of me. The headbutt kind of irritated me. Uh, I knew it was going to get under your skin. Obviously, being a New Japan fan, you knew exactly where my mind was going to go on that. Right. Uh, for those who don't know, God, when was that? February? February or March? Uh, uh, in a match between Kazuchika Okada and Katsutori Shibata. Shibata I delivered. It was closer to a year ago. but Yeah. It was... Well, no, it was, it was after Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. Um, Shibata delivered a headbutt to Okada that basically caused his brain to bleed, and we almost lost Shibata. Uh, Shibata will probably never wrestle again, but he shouldn't wrestle again. I don't want to see him wrestle again. Uh, Shibata's big public statement since then is, I'm alive, that is all. I don't you know ever, I took from it. No more headbutts. Hashtag no more headbutts. It was a tragic incident, but I, I just highly doubt that WWE was even considering it at the time. I understand that, but that's a shoot headbutt. I thought I'm it was guessing. a shoot headbutt. I actually had somebody ask me last night, did did Vince Blade? And I was like, when? When the hell did he have time to? I think that was a shoot. I'm, I'm gonna guess though. I'm gonna guess the entire act was Vince's call. Oh, it had to with, be Vince's with, call. Yeah, with very little regard to his safety. I'm, I'm doubting that he ran it. You know, was even thinking about concussion. 
things of that nature, even ran it by anyone else. That was probably I'm a McMahon, damn it. Oh, that's what yeah, I'm thinking. Goddamn, pal. Go ahead and rock me. So then we end up tough. So then we end up with Kevin Owens getting his heat back after you starting to feel bad for him because Kevin Owens proceeds to beat the ever loving shit out of a seventy two year old man. Oh, he didn't just beat him. I, he beat the shit out of him. He brutalized him. I mean, I, I would not want to take a Kevin Owens frog splash. No thanks. I'm good. It it did put some, some serious heat on the program. I am so glad that when he was walking away, I thought to myself, uh, it, there's no way they're going to do this. When Stephanie came running out, I thought she was going to swing him around and slap him. I am so thankful that they did not go in that direction. Yeah. There was a couple of things about it that, that bugged me at least a little bit. Why did nobody come to Vince's aid? I, and this is the problem with WWE establishing their narrative and then going away from it. How many times do we see somebody gets jumped inside of a promo, so-and-so comes running out to make the save, right? Yeah. Nobody's going to come save Vince McMahon? Nobody. Well, you know, my first thought when that was happening, I even thought to myself, like, oh, damn, Daniel Bryan's a really good general manager. Yeah. Does nobody value their job? Nobody's going to come save the boss. Well, and then when Stephanie comes running out, which I guess in their mind they're thinking, hey, it's a nice touch. We'll, we'll show the family concern. While we know he's there, where the hell was Triple H? You can't do that. You can't I do that. You couldn't. That's what I'm saying. Leave Stephanie out of it. Well, yeah, Stephanie shouldn't have been out there either. And, and, and right. here, here was one of the biggest fails in logic all night was you have Stephanie McMahon comes running out to the aid of her father. And then what? 20 minutes later, she's in the ring presenting the trophy of the May Young Classic. All what happened to you being worried about your dad? All smiles and roses and all that. Oh, I guess Vince is fine. He must be fine. Otherwise, Stephanie would be there with him. Yeah, I know, if, you know, if my 72-year-old grandfather is in a, is in a car accident, a half hour later, I'm not going to be out partying. <laughs> Even more so, if one of my employees beats the shit out of my 72-year-old dad who happens to own the company, I'm not in the ring handing out flowers, posing for pictures. I guess maybe that should be... You can't be the TV villain Stephanie McMahon and the chief branding officer... Stephanie McMahon on the same show. It doesn't work that way. I can only suspend my disbelief so goddamn far. Did immediately watching last night go off there for the SmackDown Live program. A crazy swerve came to mind. We go back and listen to the reasons that Vince satisfied with, with how Shane handled the situation, that he didn't go further taking care of Kevin Owens. So Vince loves attitude and ruthless aggression. He was disappointed by Shane not showing that 
Do we see a swerve where somehow he sides with Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens did exactly Vince is turned on by? Maybe long term. I don't see that happening now. Um, I personally, I think Kevin Owens is a pawn. I don't think this is the Kevin Owens story. I, see, this is where I would tie those together. And maybe what we didn't, what we didn't see Triple H involved here is that you eventually get, you do get, because you're, you're believing that this is going to go towards I think this, I think this all leads to Shane and Hunter at WrestleMania. I think that's where this story is heading. I think the most important line in that entire promo was Kevin Owens when he said, I respect authority. That, to me, was the most important line in that entire promo. For me here, I could see at Hell in a Cell, authority and vent threw over Shane McMahon. Always kind of been, you know, that outsider. You know what you did? You did run from the company. You did run from us. We were the, we were the ones here fighting and surviving to keep this company going, to take it to the greatest heights that it's ever been. And now you just want to walk back in with, every, with everything perfectly okay. You want to act like you're one of these top dogs around here. And I would really like to see him set up Kevin Owens leading a team against Shane McMahon Survivor Series. I think there would I think it'd be amusing to see Kevin in charge of SmackDown for a little while. Actually, and make it the Kevin Owens show. Yeah, and then after that Survivor Series thing, maybe you do have Shane disappear for a bit. I want to see Phillips and Saxton wear one suit. And then he reemerges to set up that big match with Triple H for Mania. I think. At Hell in a Cell, uh, we finally get the Shane McMahon match that I want to see. I think we finally see Kevin Owens bludgeon and beat Shane McMahon within an inch of his life. To the point that Stephanie comes out begging Owens to stop. And it ends up more like a throw in the towel situation? Yeah. Yep. And it's and it's Stephanie comforting her her fallen brother, and then Hunter comes out and gets up in Owen's face. What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? And then Hunter turns and pedigrees Shane, and Stephanie goes with her husband, and you have the authority returning to Tuesday Night SmackDown. I think that's where the story goes. And this is all a setup for the big, in in Vince's mind, the big money match, which is Shane McMahon versus Triple H at WrestleMania, because everybody knows that Shane McMahon and Triple H hate each other. And, wanna, and Vince will get off on it. I want to mention one note. I, I made sure to tag it here. And this, this goes back to a report indicating that Vince firmly believes that Shane is a draw. And that working against any McMahon is a larger than life spotlight. In in a non required. Okay, let's speak in a non kayfabe sense for a second. 
I absolutely agree with that. Shane is required to wrestle, is required to wrestle twice a year and perform as SmackDown general manager as part of his deal. I, I absolutely, said, all, all this talk 1. about. 1.8, it's 1.8 million a year with 300,000 bonuses and royalties. He's got a fucking nice chunk of change. Though. Oh yeah, he's getting paid. I, I, I think we can finally put to bed this whole Vince McMahon doesn't like, doesn't get Kevin Owens. Otherwise, Vince doesn't take that beating. Owens also isn't in that match with Shane. Owens is a made man at this point. At least in my mind's eye, don't you think? Oh, I completely agree. They're, they're sold on him 100%. In, in his I did also notice that... Uh, and probably to me, the line of the night, the line that I popped for the hardest between both Raw and SmackDown was when Kevin Owens said the first thing that he's going to do when he makes SmackDown Live, the Kevin Owens show, is fire Sami Zayn. I popped for that. I did enjoy that. Anything else on SmackDown that you want to talk about, Rick? I was largely disappointed for an hour and 45, 50 minutes. Uh, some flaws there in the final segment, but I, I feel the, the overall intensity of it likely saved the night. Get a vibe from, from most things. I really went into this week thinking that SmackDown was going to beat Raw in the rating. I thought Raw was the much better show this week. Hands down. Also, last night in Sin City, we had the May Young Classic final. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on here, this thing was just promoted like shit. Uh, I know we talked last week. We thought that there was going to be another week here where they were going to actually hype this Kari Sane versus Shayna Baszler match. There was one promo in one spot on Monday Night Raw. That was it. And they, they actually they, they did try, but they did a much better job on Tuesday night. Well, of they course. They the mean, red carpet a little bit. Literally the same show. I mean. Right. But, you know, if, if you're not to let people know beforehand that this, how important this thing is and when and where it's going down, just not in your own program. I think it, 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 it really speaks to how they – presented this entire tournament it was it seemed just like a huge rush to get to vegas yeah the the entire tournament seemed rushed to me i'm I'm not really sure the the method to the madness behind that and with the way they promoted it they weren't really going to drive home hey this is why you got to be signing up for our network i feel like did they put the the boat on that at all well, you know, exclusively on WWE Network, Network Special, things like that, but nothing over the top with it. I think they just missed a, a major opportunity, not just airing this thing on SmackDown Live. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't you put it on the show? Why didn't now, they you just got put your, it on the show? You got your women's revolution. Putting it live on, put it on SmackDown Live would have added so much prestige in comparison the previous tournaments that they've had. Yep. Yep, I completely agree. If you, if you were going to do it outside of Full Sail, 
then you should have done it on national TV, not on the network. Really would have put a spotlight on it. No matter who won, you would have made two stars. You could have highlighted the entire tournament. Got people. Oh, what what did I miss here? Ah, another missed opportunity. What did you think of the fan reception for the May Young Classic itself? I I was worried a lot of people were going to leave after SmackDown was over, but it didn't seem like that was the case at all. Yeah. Well, you know, you had that hot close on SmackDown Live, which certainly helped. And it seemed as if the live audience, they, they were into the moment. They understood what was going on. It was a pretty hot crowd. Yeah, I was kind of surprised how many people seemed to know what was going on. Honestly, I I didn't think that it was going to be that big of a deal. Uh, I thought the the audience in Las Vegas treated it very respectfully, the way that they should have. I was very, very happy with the presentation. Uh, I was interested to see how they were going to do it if they were going to make it look different than SmackDown with the lighting and the the stage presentation. I didn't notice that it was really that different than it was at Full Sail. It didn't feel like it was in a bigger arena. They did a really good job of keeping the flow of what you'd seen in the presentation last night. you got to give them props when it's due, and they did a great job with it. Both ladies come out, get in the ring, bell rings. What did you think of the match, Rick? Yeah, at first I, w- I was a little worried because we had seen from Beza there she just continued to no-sell. But then it became pretty clear to me that they were telling a damn good story in there. I love the psychology to this match. Absolutely loved it. With Sane working the ribs and Baszler working the arm. If they, they worked well together. Whoever put it together deserves a pat on the back. I assume they that's. Just, I assume Sarah Amato was the one that oh, I, put I the entire tournament together. Uh, they, they had some other agents working on some things there, but you know this this one. They, I think they just for all the things that you can nitpick during the tournament, but they damn near hit a home run with this one. I thought the match was fantastic. I thought it was very well done. Um, there's a couple of spots that I thought Baszler's timing was a little bit off, but I mean, that's just nitpicky shit, you know, where something looks really good on paper and just an execution, it doesn't look as well, fluid. Some of that could be chalked up to, to nerves in that moment. Oh, too. absolutely. I, I, I'm not sure that either one of those girls had ever been in front of a, a professional wrestling crowd like that. Obviously, Baszler's been in front of big crowds before. But a professional Correct. wrestling crowd and a UFC crowd are two Highly very different. different types of audiences. Um, I thought the match was fantastic. And, of course, as I said last week, Sane wins, which was the right business to me. You called it. I, I was just so sure they were going to go with that that easy street PR route. I had myself convinced of it. As I was telling Telling some people after the, the match ended, I wasn't disappointed in the ending at all. I was just surprised by it. I I, I was I wasn't giving the WWE much credit for long term planning. I I as I said on the show last week, I wanted Sane to go over. I thought it was the better business. I was still surprised that Sane went over. Uh, as the match was playing out, I kind of got the feeling that that's the direction it was going. Um, there was part of the match that 
very much felt like paint by the numbers, you know, but I mean, hell, it's professional wrestling. There's only so many formulas you can follow. Now, is, is there any reports? Did they actually sign Baszler to any kind of deal? or was he just in I believe Baszler is signed. Um, I saw a interview with Ronda Rousey last night, and they were really pushing her on what she's doing. And her response was, tonight's about Shayna. We're not going to talk about that. So... I tried staying away from this news of who had actually been signed, who hadn't. You know, with the cruiserweight tournament, it really took a took away a lot of the surprise. Completely shit the bet on that. Yeah, I mean, once you got down to that final four, you knew what was going to happen. You know, the funny thing about the cruiserweight tournament is we all wanted to see Kota Ibushi versus Zack Saber Jr. And I finally saw that match in the G1 this year, and it wasn't that good. I was a little surprised. I thought they'd have better chemistry between themselves, but nope, not so Different much. setting. Different setting. We, never, we yep. don't know what could have been. Yep. So that brings us to the Be the Booker segment uh, for this week. Uh, we're going to tie it into the Mae Young Classic. Rick, why don't you go ahead and book Shayna Baszler going forward for us? What do you got? I'll tell you what, I had a little bit of a tough time with this. I, I guess the easy... Easy move is just to jump on that PR movement with them. Now, we've been pretty much in agreement that with her standing and celebrity status, that she is probably best suited to go to Raw or SmackDown. But really walking through this tournament and some of those, you know, watching her in-ring work and miscues here and there, I, I'm almost on the side that maybe she needs I'm in NXT, the home those skills, I've got used to a couple with that WWE style. I wouldn't mind maybe her disappearing for a little bit, continuing that training, and re-emerging in NXT for a round two here with Sane. See if those two really can't put something even better together on that level. And then maybe start focusing towards working her towards, especially SmackDown or wherever Becky might might be at that time, to initiate that horsewomen, horsewomen program that everyone seems to be doing. Interesting. That's not where I thought you were going to go with that at all. I, I Like I said, after watching through this tournament, I kind of pulled a 180 on her. No, that's, I mean, you bring up some interesting points. Um, I have never, ever considered Baszler going through NXT. I, I just feel like she's too big of a star. They want to do this horsewomen angle. I, I feel like she goes immediately to SmackDown. But I, I think if you're looking long-term business, you may be right. Uh, the only problem with how old is Baszler? She's like 36, 37, something like that. My other concern with this program, with the horsewomen versus horsewomen, we don't have a whole lot of information we don't know. We up. don't know how many of the horsewomen, the UFC horsewomen, can work. There was a you know, rumor that Ronda was going to begin training with Kendrick. Right. So how how soon is she really going to be ready for anything of significance? Man. On the flip side of that, and the other two, are they training at all? Oh yeah. Do they have any interest in this? 
So do they just want to do a one-off? Is there going to be a long-term plan? If it's a one-off, I'm not nearly as interested. And then also to really make this work, we got to wait on Bailey to come back. Right. And we don't know how long that's going to be. And then we got to warm her up somehow. So Baker's age, I wouldn't have her spend an extended amount of time in NXT, but I think she needs some honing down there, but she is 37 years old. 37. I knew she had to be up there because she was a UFC pro for like 16 years. So. Turned 37 a little over a month ago, August 8th, 1980. Well, see, and then the other thing that you have to take into consideration, and, and these are things that we don't know. I don't know what kind of shape she's in physically. I mean, obviously, she's in great shape, but, I mean, 16 years and as she, a professional UFC fighter, she may have some injuries that she doesn't even know that she has right now. So is she going to be able to endure? Can you do this program? And can you wait until WrestleMania to do this program? I feel like it's got to be a Survivor Series program at this point. Otherwise, I think it's just going to fizzle out and the story's going to go away. For, you know, keep relevant in stories on her. Keep interest in it. Especially all the, you know, how, how much Ronda stays in the public eye. This is your real selling point here for that story. It's all about Ronda Rousey. That's for sure. It's all about right. Ronda Rousey. Um, so with me pulling 180 on her, I, I send her down for, uh, for, for some fine tuning. That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, Kari Sane. Uh, we obviously know now uh, at Takeover Houston uh, Survivor Series weekend, she is going to be challenging for the NXT Championship. Rumor is it's going to be a multi-woman match, which we all know is my favorite thing in the world. Um, I personally would have rather seen a tournament to see who is going to face Kari Sane, so it was just a one-on-one match. Don't always get what I want, ladies and gentlemen. So, I think I would put Kari Sane over as NXT champion at TakeOver Houston. I don't know if she's going to have any matches before that. I would put her in the multi-woman match with Ember Moon, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, and Nikki Cross. And just turn them girls loose and see what they can do. Put Kari Sane over. I want to see Kari Sane versus Ember Moon for the NXT Women's Championship as the program going towards WrestleMania. Um, And I think you can kind of incorporate Asuka into that too. And have Ember Moon be the... I don't know if I want to call her jealous challenger, but the frustrated challenger who can't seem to get past these Japanese women who are coming in. Um, I did not like the segment between uh, Ember Moon and Asuka on NXT last week. They totally could have cut all of that from the show. I feel like they just completely killed that rivalry. Did you see that clip, Rick? I did. I did. Pretty much put a kibosh on anything that kind of had going forward there. Don't understand why they do that stuff. So, yeah, I would make Kari Sane your next NXT Women's Champion. What do you think? What would you do with her? 
I'm all for putting, putting the title on her. And I like with her coming in, when she initially, and I would keep her off some matches for the tapings leading up to, to take over Houston. But she's going to come in as that undeserving outsider, especially with all the, the women that have been there. You know, who are you to come in here? I could really see like a Royce and a Billy Kay really taking hit to her. They're talking down to her. And they, uh, just really trying to bury her. And then the match itself, I'm really hoping for something unique. There's something that is... They've got to do motion. something that, that hasn't been done before. And... Right. It's going to set in, in motion a new direction for the NXT women's division following this, this, era, this era of Asuka's complete dominance. You've really got to set the tone saying, you know, we're beyond that. We're moving forward. We're even better than before. As I told you last night when we were talking about it, you know, a match that I'd, that I'd like to see perhaps happen is a four-way elimination 30-minute Iron Woman match. So I like really the idea of the elimination for sure. Well, I guess the elimination really wouldn't work in it. It'd just be the classic four-way, fatal four-way 30-minute Iron Woman match. You couldn't have that be an elimination match. But, but something along those lines where you not only have to beat all the other competitors, but you got to do it in a way that has essentially never been done before. The ultimate survival. It's going to be interesting to see how they build to this match. My only concern with Ember, she may be putting it on Ember, but at this point she has chased so hard, chased so hard, and fallen short, fallen short. I, I've just kind of lost interest in her in that chasing role. I, I still think I would have brought Ember Moon up before I brought Asuka up, but that's just me. Uh, we're going to skip ahead in the format here because we are running way long. We had a bunch of other stuff to get to, but nothing that's nearly as time-pressing as uh, what the WWE has put out this week. Uh, one other note that I did want to touch on, uh, was the Raw Christmas and New Year's episodes being announced. Uh, I did a little bit of research. We talked about this on the last show. Uh, just in case anybody's curious, since you feel so bad for these poor wrestlers that aren't going to be home with their families, uh, there are two NFL games, Christmas Day, Steelers take on the Texans at 3.30, and then the Raiders take on the Eagles at 7.30. And then the NBA is loaded all day with the 76ers taking on the Knicks at 11 o'clock in the freaking morning. Cavs Warriors at 2, Wizards Celtics at 4.30, Rockets Thunder at 7, Timberwolves Lakers at 9.30. If you work in the entertainment business, you don't get holidays off. That's an end of a rant. Entertainment, hospitality, service industries, this is no big deal to you because it's your job, it's normal. I haven't had a goddamn holiday off in seven and a half years. Unless it happens to I fall work. on my weekend. I said, I said we, we both work in those industries. And I can sure as hell speak to myself. And damn near every one of my clients that I represent through my marketing firm, we're not getting the holidays off. Hell no, you ain't getting the holidays off. That's when you make your goddamn money. We're going to go forward to hit or miss. Uh, sticking with the WWE theme this week. Uh, Rick, I want you to know, hit or miss, here's the no mercy card coming up. 
each match individually, hit or miss. Braun versus Brock. At this point, is it a hit or a miss for you? I think it's it's certainly a hit. I mean, you've got they've done a great job. We were talking earlier. Not necessarily is Brock going to win, but how is he going to win? And then excited to see or Braun at the very early stage in his career progress towards. I think they're doing a great job with that one. I'm with you. I think it's a hit. I'm 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 sure that Brock goes over. I'm just curious as to how. Cena versus Reigns, hit or miss? I think I've made this one pretty, pretty damn clear. It is a total miss in my book. Well, let me ask you this. Is there anything they can do on the go-home show next Monday that will turn this into a hit for you? I'm going to need that physical tease. You need some physicality finally next week. Especially with what we've seen Cena go through this past week. I'm not necessarily saying that Reigns needs to come out and use like a chair or anything. But I wouldn't mind seeing him drop a handful of spears. Maybe maybe to a point where Cena can't even get up on his own and Reigns picks him up and props him in the corner and just continually hits him with spears. Until that point, and then to kind of go back to what you were saying for that that hot spot in that match, that would really sell when Roman hits that first spear in that match, and Cena kicks out it too. The women's four-way: Alexa versus Nia versus Sasha versus Emma. Hit or miss? Gonna go with a miss here. Again, this is this is just typical raw women's booking. Can't multiple stories we're completely against a champion versus an individual challenger we must lump everyone together same old story they haven't really done anything for me to invest in any of these characters that are involved i'm not looking forward to it at all how about you major miss for me too i'm i'm fed up with the women's division on both shows i'm not happy with the booking of either show right now when it comes to the women uh finn balor versus bray wyatt man versus man no demon hit or miss i'm gonna let you go first on this one well i think it's a miss uh i don't understand why they're doing this match finn balor already beat bray wyatt bray wyatt just keeps poking the bear I'm afraid at this show, Bray's going to go over and we're going to get another month of this goddamn program. Can we just fast forward to Balor versus Miz already? And this is this is why I'd have to go with the Miz, too. But I want to hear how you laid it out. You know, we've seen the Demon already go over Bray at SummerSlam. And remember, just before that, we saw Bray... Bray beat the Fonz. We've seen go, this match. Go over, yeah, the man. We've already seen that. It was like the Monday before the freaking pay-per-view. So I guess Bray's trying to like get the man to tap into something in between that and the demon. I felt like this thing was kind of thrown together from the get-go. And it feels like they're just killing time because they don't know what the fuck to do with Balor, but they know that they need him on the show. They haven't known what to do with him. He returned. 
That's been the problem with him there. I got two Kinda words for you. Too sweet. They don't they prove they don't want to go in that direction. Evidently not. And you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Baylor fan, but I'm not naive enough to think that there isn't major money in this guy pushing somebody, hate it or not, and I might be busting his ass about these thin freezers and his Lego shit on social media. But you got to find a way to make him work and get him out there because these fans are eating it up. I don't want to spin this off into a, another topic or conversation. Um, <clears throat> damn it, Grandpa, I told you I'd call you later. Um, did you see much of the Prince Devitt work, or are you just familiar with Finn Balor? I was hit or miss on him. What, but, I mean, did you see much of his work in Japan as, I, as Devitt? I am go, I'm going to say I've seen a decent amount. I had a good friend, Kevin Mize, who was a major fan, is a major fan, and he turned me on to a bunch of his work. And some conversation with him, you know, I, I took the time, got my way to watch it. I can't say I was all that disappointed. It, where I lose interest in him is that transition between Urgle and Finn. Gotcha. Gotcha. Kind of a funny story I'll, I'll have to tell you sometime. When we went down to uh, the show in Moline, my daughter and I were talking, and we were talking about the name Fergal, and we came up with uh, Fergal's grandpa from Arkansas. And uh, it was a character that we then uh, portrayed for the rest of the evening. It was absolutely fantastic. Fergal! Fantastic. So speaking of characters, I think we got one in the next match, right? Yeah, Neville versus Enzo, hit or miss. I'm going to say this is a hit for me. Not because I'm looking forward to any spectacular feats of athleticism in the ring, but I am interested to see how this match plays out. There was a lot of rumor with reports with Enzo going to 205 to add that star power. It seriously considered putting that title on him. I have personal interest in seeing the evolution of Neville. So I'm going to be tuned in. I'm going to be locked into this one. Enzo Amore is your new cruiserweight champion. This is going to be a total miss. This is nothing more than the burial of 205 Live. Two-thirds of the shield versus the bar. Hit or miss? Hit. I've actually been enjoying uh, this program, and it's mainly because I'm I'm really starting to dig the bar. Love me some Seamus and Cesaro. Yeah, they... They get that knock that they just threw some singles guys together, but they have gone out of their way to make some serious effort to present themselves as a legit tag team, and I think it's just really coming together now. And I'm looking, I'm looking forward to much better work from them. I think this is a miss, but I'm looking forward to the bar hitting Dean Ambrose in the face. Not an Ambrose guy. And the big rumored match is The Miz versus Jason Jordan. Hit or miss? At this point, I would say a miss. It's been rumored for, for quite a while now. We've got a go-home show. with no build here. Zero build. I want to see something interesting. You know, a lot of, when you've got to take on The Miz, a lot of character work and storytelling that's going to get things over. I mean, the guy, he works a great style in the ring. He's very safe. Puts on good matches and that. But the selling point is the build with the Miz. 
and we're not going to have that. Jason Jordan just can't pull his weight when it comes to his character. I think it's a mess. Rick, what's your match of the week? Order just a little hashtag, hashtag EBT, throwback Thursday. So everyone to head on over to YouTube and search the 1986 AWA Battle Royal. Got a fun classic. Fun little classic here. Old school. Of the AWA. The who's who of the time in the AWA and quite a few B stars. Go check this out, man. There's there's a heartbreak kid getting the cat all the way back then. And a young go getter giving up giving up quite a bit of blood in pursuit of perfection. I think what really sets off this video, there's some hilarious Japanese commentary and they even cut a couple of their commercials. Oh god. <laughs> it's a pretty entertaining watch. Entertaining watch. I'm just gonna encourage everyone. You want something fun to watch? An old classic. Go on over to YouTube. Then search 1986 AWA Battle Royal. That's it. That's episode three. That's episode three. We've made it like four episodes. Three official. We're like podcast vets now. Plug anything here? Well, yeah, we'll get there, but I'm I'm just trying to make <laughs> casual conversation. God damn it, Rick, don't be a dick. Fine, I'll go to the pre-program close. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's episode three of Hitting the Marks. You can find us on Twitter at... What the hell is our Twitter? Oh, yeah, HTMPWPod on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? Rick? I am here. I am still here. Oh. As always, you can find me on Twitter at the real RBV. Give me a search. Rick Vickery on Facebook. Be glad to chat up uh, any wrestling there with you. Or you can head over to the WrestleZone discussion group. Doggo and I are always there engaged in plenty of great conversation with some other, likewise, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't say they're all, I don't want to ever put the intelligence of the board, but we do have some uh, people that will provide some good conversation. We also have a number of interactive threads, including our Pick'em, which our next edition will be for the No Mercy event coming up here in two weeks. I want to stop on over and check that out. Other than that, you catch, uh, catch me right back here next Thursday. Same bat time, same bat channel. That's it for episode three. We're off like a prom dress. See ya. Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy.
Violet! 